Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery podcast are proud to bring you Answering the Call, the first responder podcast. Join your host, Mike the Podfather, and Jersey Ed as they address the real issues in health and wellness for first responders, from physical and mental health to relationships and work-life balance. We leave no stone unturned. Answering the Call, the first responder podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery answering the call. Yep. Welcome to another episode of Answering the Call, the first responder podcast, sponsored by Genesis House and produced by Sweets Productions in Beverly, Mass. And now, here are your hosts, the Podfather Mike Miles and Jersey Ed. Hey, thank you, Sweets. As always, we are happy to be here, ready and available to help our first responders out there across the country and abroad. That's right, Mike. I love learning about all these new topics, and so do our listeners. I can tell from all the emails and uh, social media chatter that we get all the time. Yes, we do. We do get quite a we bit do of chatter, get, don't I'm we? I'm constantly on that email oh, answering everybody. Good Lord. Well, all, no, the, all no, the Podfather right. requests that they want pictures and hair lock. Well, you have no hair, so. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the kettle calling the pot black, isn't it? <laughs> right. Well, I think there's only one person in his room right now that has any uh, yeah. any some somewhat of hair. He's a good-looking man with a head of hair. So you stuck around for another week, huh, Tom? I did, I did. What, so what's Boise going to do without you for another week? Introduce Tom. You know, they'll, they'll be all right. <laughs> they'll be all right. Good, good. So, Tom, tell us who you are. And yeah. if, if people didn't watch our last podcast, which yeah. was? Thomas Burrell. Thomas Burrell, yes. Absolutely. I'm the, I'm the co-founder of a company called Intervention 180. We're an intervention firm that's based out of Boise, Idaho. We help folks that are struggling with uh, substance abuse, uh, addiction, mental health, um, just kind of that whole spectrum. And we definitely have a, a heart for our first responders. Absolutely. Sweets, that's competition for you, my man. It is not competition. <laughs> so the, the deal is, is that not. there are enough people out there. What do we got? 20% of the American population struggling with substance use and all of their families. So yeah, we, deal with, we, deal with, we deal with the other 80%, and I'm pretty sure, Tom, that you know we're never going to bump into each other unless we actually call each other. <laughs> the truth of the matter is we, we need more help. I mean, Absolutely. that's just the reality is that we're still lacking in resources. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? This, this yeah. Here it proves that we're all on one show. You guys are doing the same thing, and everybody's helping each other out. There's, there's no, we, we can't have foes or, 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 or not foes, but we can't have um, enemies in in this in this uh, field. We have to help each other out, and um, just like Genesis House, we're we're not for everybody. You know, Genesis House isn't the right fit for every police officer or every first responder. Just like you guys, you know, you, Tom might have a different approach, and it might be the right approach. Mike might have a different approach, and you know, so so uh, there's what what's the what's the uh, saying? There's uh, there's a screw for every there's a screw for every nut. Isn't that what the saying is there's, out there? Yeah, yeah, something like that. There's, <laughs> there's a there's a washer for every nut. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. In a bolt. Yeah, exactly. In a bolt. And there's a bunch of nuts in this room today. So, sure. no, I, I think our last uh, show was pretty good. We uh, we talked to Dr. Anderson down in uh, D.C. Yeah, that was last and, week's uh, show. Yeah, she, yep. she was so enlightening, enlightening, so. Um, so intuitive and full of knowledge and just her approach to uh, working with, uh, you know, listening to her. It was soothing for me, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a guy that had to get help on his own. It was hard to find any help. I remember being in the emergency room um, and I had taken, uh, <clears throat> I had taken some, uh, some cocaine and I was just in a rough place um, before I went away for treatment. And a, a doctor came over to me and I he said, you know, uh, he was from Israel. He was an Israeli doctor studying here, and he chastised me for being, um, 
you know, for being a cop with a with a drug problem, and uh, I should be ashamed of myself. And you know, I, I I believed every word he said because I was totally ashamed of myself. But thank God I didn't listen to him. Thank God yeah. I, you know, I went and got the help. I did find some help. Yeah. And you know, if you're out there and you're struggling, and you you know you you're living day to day with an addiction, uh, it, it doesn't get better. Yeah. It won't get better on its own. No, no, it won't these, go away. Yeah, and these guys, you guys who are listening in the in the in the squad cars and sit, maybe sitting at the firehouse waiting for the next uh, call or the ambulance or or maybe you're at home listening to this, you know, you you can reach out and um, you know talk to one of us and and. And just kind of, or anybody, even Dr. Anderson. I mean, you know, we're 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 a week later from this show, and I, and that show really impacted a lot of us. The emails I was getting, and and all the information that that um, everybody wanted on on Dr. Anderson was amazing. Um, you know, and and we just decided that not to have a guest this week and really talk about what Dr. Anderson was talking about because this is for you guys out there so you guys can get the help and kind of bring it into your life and and live that good and clean sober life not even a good clean sober life just a healthy life um you know as Beverly was saying and and you know let's let's get you back on track again you know maybe booze or drugs are not your um, <coughs> your problem maybe you have a problem with gambling maybe you have a problem with infidelity maybe you have a problem with uh, uh, j- just being hyper hyperactive and not being able to stop your mind from racing and and you know um, I've seen it I, I've I've sat with so many police officers with with all kinds of hypertension and and feelings of um, remorse because they they went to a call and and uh, they they weren't able to save the life of somebody you know or a fireman you know there was a fire in Lowell Massachusetts seven years ago and it was right next door literally right next door to a fire station and it happened at three o'clock in the morning and five people died in that fire three children two family members and it was a horrific horrific fire and these firemen that went to this, they, they literally were right next door. They came out. They didn't even have time to, as soon as they walked out the door, they were at the fire. And, and you know, these people died. And, and people were saying in the paper, there's a, there's a like a, a, an article in the paper they write, you can call and make complaints. And people were complaining. The firemen were right next door. Why, why did it take so long? And it didn't take long. It was just that the fire was engulfed the building so quickly. Mm. But the guilt, the remorse you know, these firemen had was, was horrific. And I just feel like sometimes, no matter what you've done in your career, you're going to come across an, in, an incident where you're not going to be able to provide the help you wish you could. And unfortunately, people do die in car accidents. They do drown. They, they do perish in fires. Oh, you you know, you, you pick the scene, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not your fault. You no, know? no, it's not. And, and that, that, that brings up the topic of um, sweets. What was it? Well, just the humanization and, and, and kind of personalizing these folks that, you know, they're, they're going out and experiencing these, these horrific traumas on yep. a regular basis. And, you know, Dr. Dr. Anderson was talking about the, the difference between surviving these things and thriving within it, you know, trying to find a healthy way to, uh, to self-soothe and to, um, you know, not get caught up in whatever you're using to deal with those incidents. Yeah, and, and I, like, I like that topic because, um, you know, um, at Genesis House, we have a track and not a program for the first responders. And we want them to be dads and moms and husbands and wives. We want to fix that piece also. As, and we understand what they do as first responders, too. Um, so, you know, there there is their professional job, which which sometimes these guys are 24-7. But there's also the, the human side of this. There's there's the, um, you know, the, the, the human side that, that they have to go and, and you know, 
go back home. And we were even speaking on the last show, you know, when, when we come home, you know, when your first responders come home, you don't want to talk about, oh, honey, how was your day at, at work today? Well, you know, I seen a, a dead baby. I got a, I, I put out a fire that killed four people. And, you know, it was a shootout and one of the officers got shot. Who the fuck wants to say that, you know, especially to your spouse? And she's going to say it's going to be okay. No, it's not going to be okay. This will not be okay when you see shit like that. Um, it, it gets in you. It gets in your psyche. It's put into your brain and put back somewhere. And you guys crush it down and put it put it away and don't talk about it. And when shit hits the fan and it explodes, I think um, the gentleman a couple of weeks ago was saying um, from um, oh god, what what was it? Uh, the checkpoint. Yeah. Um, he said that these Tupperware balls come out and they spill out all over the place. And then now you got to pick that shit back up again and try to make yourself look like you're you're okay and you're not. You and know? you're not supposed to become desensitized to it, which I think was the, right. the topic that like it's not supposed to become normal. I think, uh, right. Mike, you had mentioned that, you know, the, the what do you call it? The morbid sense of humor that gets mm-hmm. developed when you see all that on a regular basis that right. you almost feel like I'm supposed to be OK with this. Nobody's yeah. supposed to be OK with. No. This. Sure. Yeah. no. And, you know, even if you have kids, you, you might have children that have problems, you know, and, and I've, I've worked with many cops that actually have five close friends, five. Five of them, five police officers that lost their sons in five years mm-hmm. to drug addiction. And, you know, as the EAP, and, and these were close friends. They just weren't acquaintances. You know, it was very difficult to go house to house to house, wake to wake, funeral after funeral, you know, and being part of it. But this is what this epi- epidemic of this opioid epidemic has done to society, you know. And, um, you know, you compound all these stressful events and all these incidents where, you know, you see things that most people are never going to see and don't understand. And, you know, and then you move on to the next call and you act like it's just, you know, it's it, it, it just part of the job, which it is. But unfortunately, that stuff builds up. And after a while, it, it can get to, to be too heavy and you have to dump it. Tom, you um, you, you do some um, some very interesting work. And I was it was really a pleasure meeting you last week. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and. And, and how you see what we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, uh, thank you, Mike. Um, well, first off, uh, you know, I've been doing interventions for about 16 years now. Um, I co-founded this company 12 years ago, Intervention 180. Um, and, and like I mentioned earlier in the intro was that uh, we have a heart for, for working with our first responders. Um, but to, to build kind of off of what um, Beverly said last week in terms of, uh, you know, the there is no RoboCop. You know, there is no <laughs> no no cop that that uh, kind of leaves unscathed, right? And I, I think that um, how we see our, our law enforcement or even our, our first responders is that they they um, they compartmentalize, which which she also noted as a skill set. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. It truly yeah. is. And and but it's that compartmentalizing and then stuffing, right? And we stuff and and continue to stuff. Until ultimately what happens is we see it, it starts to present itself coming out sideways. And when, when we refer to that, it's sometimes um, sometimes it's uh, feeling the tightness in the chest, shortness of breath, even lo- uh, low back pain. You know, sometimes they're thinking, oh, this low back pain is because I injured myself. Um, but really you're having somatic pain mm-hmm. as a result of stuffing um, these emotional feelings uh, over time. And, and so we go to a doctor thinking, oh, I strained my back because it was a gym or I was at the, you know, I was working out. Sitting in my uh, cruiser all yeah, day yeah, long, all you that. know, all that. Yeah, it, exactly. Or even the, <clears throat> the tightness in the chest or, um, you know, oh, I think I have heartburn, you know, and, and really they're having um, 
you know, problems with their blood pressure and, sure. and everything else and, and the anxiety. And, um, and so we, we find ourselves reaching for something in an effort to, to numb out just a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And it works. And so because it works, we continue that. And, and then that cycle, it progressively gets worse. Left unchecked, what we know is left unchecked, mental health or, or, or stressors, you know, when we continue to medicate, it progressively gets worse. We don't change the situation. And, and I think uh, the thing that Beverly really struck me, you know, she was, what a great person to have on the oh, show. Oh, I mean, so, so passionate yeah. and uh, knowledgeable. Um, what a great resource she is to the law enforcement in, in the D.C. area. That's true. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what I would like is, is more law enforcement uh, folks to, to really have the opportunity um, to have a Beverly Anderson, one hundred percent, right? One hundred percent, and and not just that, but to also have the resources that they provide in terms of um, being able to educate and be a part of the post academy, um, you know, for those new officers, things like that. Yeah. I really, you know, it would be great. Hopefully, one day we can have it be uh, a national program. Well, you, you know, know, and and I think that could start with everybody out there listening um, mm-hmm. from every first responder, police officer, firefighter, um, you know, get out there and talk to some of your folks, get out and talk to, you know, you guys got peer to peers. Um, a lot of these, a lot of, a lot of um, uh, first responders have peer to peers. Talk to those peer to peers. There might be somewhat of a program out there. Um, and if not, Take the initiative and figure out. Let's let's start a peer to peer program. Um, you know, even the healthy even the healthy guys out there who are listening to this, or maybe somebody in recovery, or somebody went through some some stress, or maybe suicide. You know, talk to your chief or talk to the administration and say, listen, this can help our guys. This this can help. Um, you know help those guys who were suffering i was suffering like mike you were suffering all those years ago what did you do you started an eap program in lowell is that correct am i i mean that's what you did after you yep. got after you got help after you got help yep. you ended up starting an eap program and, and running with it you know i, fo- I found a um, I found a place in <coughs> pittsburgh pennsylvania in 1987 and it was cops helping cops and um, i flew down my own money myself and a friend of mine tom fleming and uh, he was a police officer as well. No substance abuse problem, but he had his own issues going on. And uh, we went to the seminar, and um, they asked me to speak on behalf of um, my addiction. I had been sober about two years. And uh, it was a room full of uh, huge police officers. These Pittsburgh cops were some big boys. You know, they looked like the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> and uh, Dying at, the, curtain. <laughs> at the time, the chief's name was Chief Mayor, like, you know, the mayor of the city. And Chief Mayor was his big burly cop his hands were the size of a canned ham <laughs> and he come up to me and he had he had watery eyes at the end and i mm. didn't even know what i said i spoke you know through the great you know how it is when you're in aa they ask you to speak and you just get up there you know but i spoke about my gratitude for being able to maintain and keep my job and he said you know what you're gonna you're gonna be all right he says boy uh, you got a powerful story he said, I wish some of my guys, you know, would be able to get some help. And months later, I got a call from the attorney for the union down there. And there was a cop. His name was Harmon Drummond. And Harmon Drummond had, was a, he was a young officer. And uh, he got he caught taking drugs out of the drug locker. They had him on camera. And instead of firing him, this chief remembered me speaking. And wow. he, he told the, the um, attorney <clears throat> for the union, call this guy and see if he'd 
be willing to talk to Harmon. Wow. And also, I yeah. want to know if this kid, Miles, is still on the job, which I was. And my chief called him, said, yep, we gave him a second chance, and things are going well. So Harmon Drummond ends up keeping his job. So that one act, that just one act, if I never did another thing in my career, yeah. I helped the cop save his right. job. And that made me realize that day, right there, 1978, I'm sorry, 1998, 88, that I was, I was useful with this, and that's when I s- decided to get an education and continue and, and, you know, just to be able to spread the word. Mike, I, I, you know, um, last week, you know, you shared uh, on, the, on the podcast and just your, your recovery and everything. I just want to say, take a minute and say thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being one of those in the 80s to step out and be courageous. I mean, it really does take courage um, yeah. for our guys to be able to admit that they need help. Sure. And um, as I know how difficult it is right now in today's society and culture sure, sure. for law enforcement to, uh, to reach out, and I can't imagine mm-hmm. what it was in the 80s. Yeah, it was a little different. You know what's amazing <clears throat> is when, we, when you were talking, <clears throat> excuse me, Tom, when you were speaking, I was thinking about, um, I just saw a protest, and I think it, I'm pretty sure it was in D.C., or maybe, maybe it was New York, but there was a, a bunch of cops in riot gear mm-hmm. confronting a crowd of, um, of, of, of radical protesters. And these were professional protesters. These just weren't people with signs with a, with a problem. These were in your face, spitting, throwing cups of urine, uh, mm. throwing, uh, you know, um, uh, rocks and bottles. Mm-hmm. And uh, these cops, you know, had to stand there and just with shields. Yeah. But still, when you have somebody six inches away from your yeah. face right. screaming with, with rage in their eyes mm-hmm. and their veins are sticking out, you get heightened. You you can't help it. Your sure. adrenaline flows. Yeah. You know, and, and I just thought how much you know restraint it took oh. these these cops not to just you know take charge and start locking some of these people up, yeah. which yeah. eventually they did. There was like thirty three arrests, I believe, and and of course the media. What did they do? The cops used pepper spray. These poor kids were just you know exercising their Fifth Amendment right. They were just you know protesting, which is bullshit. They weren't just protesting; yeah. they were inciting a riot. You know, Mike, I, I ran into that. I was in Philly. Uh, I think it was over the summer uh, by the convention hall, and um, they uh, there was a um, a protest going on. Um, here's the bitch part of this, okay? <laughs> these cops had to stand there and protect these guys who were slandering the cops. In front of the convention hall, mm-hmm. screaming and yelling, signs, mm-hmm. megaphones, putting down cops, and there was a bunch of cops around them protecting them. Right. Like what? I don't understand that. I, I mean, you know. So now, now you have to go and and protect these guys, and now now you go home and say, well, what the fuck? I mean, what like what is society coming to? Mm-hmm. Guys, real quick, we got to take a break. We'll be right back after these words. Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. The first responder recovery program at Genesis House is led by a doctorate-level therapist with direct professional experience as a first responder himself. Treatment modalities focus on psychiatric care, relapse prevention, stress management, and trauma-informed care for PTSD. Learn why their individualized approach makes a difference for first responders. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery.
Hey everybody, welcome back, Friends in Recovery Podcast, answering the call. I'm here with Jersey Ed. Yes, sir. And <laughs> <laughs> I am Mike the Podfather. You are. Miles, and we have Tom Burrell. Burrell with us. Burrell, Idaho. Yeah. Idaho is not the same. He's been gone for a week. Right. we got to get I'll, him back. I love <laughs> Idaho. When I buy potatoes, I only buy Idaho. So, I just want you to know. So listen, <laughs> we're based, I want it to be known, we're based in Boise, Idaho. Oh, Boise. Yeah, 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 yeah. So having said that, you know, somebody goes, no, where do you live? I said, I get my mail in Boise. Uh, they go, no, but where do you live? I said, at a Hampton Inn near you. Yeah. So, so we, we come to Sweets you. understands when that you're, one. When you're, right. when you're in distress, when we're your there, family's right? in crisis, yeah, and especially for our first responders, um, you know, you guys are, you know, get to that point where you want off that emotional roller coaster yeah. and you can't contain it. You know, like like for me, I knew that there was that point in time where I'd be, you know, we, we have that saying of uh, being carried off by the weight of our own misery. <laughs> and I think that's, um, you know, that's what happens. Uh, and, and, and I just applaud those that are able to identify that they're in need of help and they reach out before someone says, Hey, you've got a problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that load it's taken off of them when mm-hmm. they do reach out and say, you know, I need help or, and you guys can probably see in interventions. I can hear it on, on the telephone when, when a first responder or even a civilian says, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get help. I mean, there's a there's a difference in their tone of voice. There's a calmness about them. Um, they're not fighting anymore. Um, you know, it, it's just completely different than 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 what they were trying to do beforehand. And I guess you guys, as interventionists, see that too. I mean, you know when it the bro- when the breakdown is going to happen, and then it goes it's a, the it's way a, it's supposed to. It's a physical response. I mean, Tom, you can you can attest to this that when you're in the room with somebody and they finally you know accept that it's happening and they, they're ready for help you can actually see the shoulders the drop shoulders drop they take a, a deep breath yep. they sit forward they mm. start to ask yeah. questions i mean it is yeah. it is like someone pulled a yeah. five thousand pound weight off their yeah. shoulders for a second 100 yeah. yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah yeah usually what happens is is the pain has to become greater right and you know our, our, our pain has to become greater than our fear of change and one of my I, favorite quotes and yeah. uh and that's and for me you know physical pain i could take that i could handle that um i was you know i welcomed it at times in my life um it was a pleasant distraction from the emotional pain yeah yeah Yeah. and even even beverly she was saying last week and i know we're quoting her her show excuse me uh her show a lot but she was even saying that you know um these guys are screened for um or maybe one of us were saying it but you know they're screened to be physically okay Mm -hmm. you know and they can take pain and they can take all that um but emotional pain is is tough to take but it's so easy to jam away and just just get rid of it and and hide it well the the thing about emotional pain is is it's that wild card it's that variable it's what like helps me like when i think of algebra you know solving for x i was like what the hell's that you know but um physical pain is the one one plus and then the the algebra is the emotional pain. Mm-hmm. One plus X equal, you know, like that's that variable that I could never right. um, uh-huh. predict when it was going to show up. I couldn't right. predict predict when it was going to show up. I couldn't predict how long it was going to stick around either. Right. And so, uh, and then over time with me, it was like it became sh- it, it showed up more frequently. Um, so I began to use more frequently, you know. And then it showed up for longer periods of time. Yep. So I yep. found myself doing it longer than I wanted yep. to. And I like what you said last week, Tom, too, about um, a, a thousand paper cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was pretty powerful because um, you guys out there now who are listening, 
you do take those paper cuts mm-hmm. and you keep taking them and taking them and eventually it becomes a big big deep wound and gash and mm-hmm. um you know you, you try to put a band-aid on or hide and i'm talking emotionally you know and not, yeah. not a physical paper cut but sure. um that was a good analogy and you just keep taking them and taking them and you don't have to you can talk talk to people about things and and you know um, you know suicide and whatever it is don't be afraid to reach out like we were saying earlier to a peer person um you know uh, a, a beverly anderson you know she's always available mike's always we're always available um you know sweets or everybody everybody's here to to kind of help you guys out that's why we started this podcast is to to help you guys not just not just the addiction piece um all, all of us in this room are mm-hmm. well versed on addiction we probably can write 10 books we can probably write here's an old word an encyclopedia <laughs> volume of encyclopedia on addiction but when it comes to the emotional pain i wouldn't want to fucking write a a word on that you know what i mean (laughs) so but you know you guys can reach out and listen the program that i i work it does teach me you know that i have to get get into my emotional piece i've been 25 years i'm 25 years sober but there are things that pop up and if i don't talk about my emotional pain and and problems that i have and things that are going on in my life um i don't know where i'd be i don't i don't think i would pick up a drink but it would lead me to deeper and darker places that i don't need to be or don't want to go to you know Mm -hmm. and we and we don't have to be there so you guys listen you don't have to be there reach out to one of these guys and and don't be in that deep dark place that that you're sitting in right now you know right yeah it doesn't always have to be addiction Uh, it it can be anything it can just be uh just insurmountable you know guilt um bills aren't being paid you, you have all kinds of other problems mental health concerns depression 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 is the common call to cops because you know what mm-hmm. beverly said it last week you know we're not getting phone calls saying hey come on over we're having a cookout and we're going to mm-hmm. make you a nice cheeseburger you're going to sit down and you're going to relax put your feet up and you know we're going to just have some laughs we get calls I was a cop 35 years, 28 on the street. Uh, the type of calls I got, I never knew what I was getting. Some of them were just, you know, minute. You know, there were neighbor problems or small things, and some of them were serious. You know, somebody committed suicide. Somebody was fighting. Somebody got hurt. I saw a guy one time, he came out holding his, his left side of his head, and when he moved his hand, his ear was gone. Mm. His, his roommate had taken an entrenching tool, an army mm. shovel, and he had whacked him in the head and he cut mm. his ear off with it. Mm. And, you know, it... Just to see that, um, I, I I was thinking it's in slow motion. Is that going to be able to be sewn back on? Number one, and the guy oh. said, "Is it bad?" He had no idea if his ear was gone. I said, "Well, if we find your ear, I think you know oh we're going to take you to the hospital." He had no idea if his ear was oh. even off, you know. And you can never. Some people just stuff it, you know. Other people use substances to to, to mask it and hide it or to get away from the pain. But some guys just stuff it. Some girls just stuff it. They don't necessarily pick up a drink or a drug, but it doesn't mean (laughs) they don't need someone to talk to. And, you know, if your department doesn't offer peer counseling or peer support or if they don't have a SISM team, critical incident stress debriefing, if they don't have a team that, you know, you can help, pick up the phone. Go go on Google it. Google police help and police. Mm You'll find many organizations. But Beverly was know. talking about Copline. Um, Copline, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just Google Copline, and that phone number is there. They are cops that that answer the call twenty four hours a day. They're they're there, ready to help. The other thing too, um, and Mike, I know you do this, but I know I work with Boston PD. I work with Chicago PD. Some of the larger PDs and some of the state troopers too reach out to me. Um, that they have a guy from a local police department that 
called for help and they found their number or they heard of their of their program their or their eap or eas or eau program um and they reached out to a larger um you you know you might be some sheriff's office in uh, des moines idaho and um you know uh, or or wherever some mm-hmm. some little town that that you know has three guys that are, that are you know <laughs> everybody's laughing at me i think but it's des moines iowa des moines so sorry uh, yeah, yeah i know just, we got idaho here but there, sorry. Yeah, just sorry. <laughs> but anyways but you know what i'm saying is that you got some little town that reach out to the bigger bigger towns who have right. these programs right. and and reach out for help call yep. those guys what yeah. we're trying to say is this help out there <clears throat> yeah. don't think there's not your your problems aren't unique you might think they're unique yeah. you might think you're unique you're right. not you're, you're one of many and, you know, many before you, many after you are going to go through the same thing. If you've got people that love you, people you care about, you know, think of them. Let me just tell you this about suicide. This is a stat that just knocked me on my ass because I thought of suicide years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad, obviously, I'm here. But I was pretty close to it. And you know what? It was a calming, scary place to be because mm-hmm. I hadn't felt that calm and relaxed in, in years, literally in two years. But when I decided to get the help I wanted, and and I and I called a friend of mine to come over my house at three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. You know, it was it was a relief knowing that I was getting help. I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. And I don't even to this day, I don't even know how he hooked it up to bring me to a treatment facility up in New Hampshire at mm. four o'clock in the morning, but that's what he did. Mm. Whether he co- there are plenty of, of um available outlets it's not like it used to be no. and, and you know confidentiality you're afraid of losing your job listen that won't happen nope. if you do it properly right. you know and on the stat on suicide this is it if you commit suicide and someone you have a child or someone who loves you and you're, you're, <laughs> you're involved with do you know their chances of doing the exact same thing just rose 30 percent 30 percent that's such a scary stat and i talked to a guy out of a window ledge one night he was in a windowsill second story I can see him sitting there, one leg out, one leg in, with a thirty-eight revolver to his head. Scree- it was He was a drug dealer, and the cops had uh, converged on his house, and he was in the window. I'm going to kill myself. Get the fuck out of here, everybody. Leave. And they called me, the EAP. I stuck my head around the corner. Hey, I'm trying to talk to him. And when I said to him, do you have children? Do you have any kids? And he kept telling me, get the fuck out of here. I'll fucking do it. Finally, he said, yes, I got two kids. Why do you give a shit? And I said, I'm just telling you. And I gave him that mm-hmm. stat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he thought for a few seconds, and he threw the gun out, and that was it. He, he got the help he needed. He got arrested, but he got the help he needed <laughs> as well. But the bottom line is, you know what? That rang true for him in that situation. So it made me realize this is a powerful tool, and I use it in my own practice, and it's true. Right. You know, I've written articles on suicide. I uh, Myself and one of my fellow therapist in my office wrote an article and we got a saying i don't know where the saying um, originated from but it it said suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem and you know that is such a true statement because when i look back now and i see the children i have and where they're at in the family i've had over the years i realize how much they would have missed and who would not have been here? My youngest wouldn't have been here. Yeah. My, my, my son was just a young little, he was eight months old. Mm-hmm. And my oldest daughter would have been fatherless. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Suicide's not the answer. Yeah. Right. 
And, really and, it, and it'll affect generations too because your dad's not there, or your mom, or whoever, <coughs> whoever that person might be that is thinking about doing this 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 act, and um, it's going to affect them mentally. It's going to affect them physically. They're going to have a hard time growing up. Um, you know, they're going to be guilty. They're going to have guilt that maybe it was them. You know, um, you know, it, it's just this in, in crazy, insane kind of roller coaster that you would put people on and. And you and like you said earlier, Tom, you can get off the ride anytime you want. Yeah, and, you know? and, and here's the thing I want, I, I guess, uh, any listeners to know is uh, oftentimes, you know, when we're talking about intervention for, for myself or, or sweets, you know, we, we use that term intervention. And a lot of times now in our current society that we live in with the television show, things like that, people think that they have to have it look a certain way before someone gets help mm-hmm. or someone's intervened. And that's when I say, you know, um, it doesn't have to be, you know, people are oftentimes we, we compare like, you know, well, I've got a good job, though, or I've got the support of, of my unit or, you know, or things like that. And it's it's, um, you know, when I say it, you can get off that emotional roller coaster, there's a there's a great colleague and friend of mine she's internationally known as a as a trauma therapist her name is judy crane mm-hmm. and oh, judy's Ju- great yeah, I, yeah. I, I know you love her and, and know her anyway judy has, has introduced me to this uh term and it's not a clinical one it's just remember the monkey bars it's monkey bars right as a mm-hmm. kid um when you went through them you didn't let go of the last one till you had a firm grip on the next mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. and i think um sometimes uh our you know, not just first responders, but people in general, we can get really good at monkey barring. What I mean by that is we, we reach for alcohol and then maybe, maybe it's uh, Xanax or something for the anxiety or a sleeping pill mm-hmm. or something like that. And then, and then we swing from that to maybe it is the infidelities or, or, or swinging from that to gambling a little bit. And then, you know, and we let go of them as soon as like that social or legal, like they become typically problematic in our relationships, right? The girlfriend or the wife says, Hey, you got to stop. You know, you you know, we're we're running out of bills or money, money. We need to pay our bills, things like that. Okay. So we rein that in for a while, but then it quickly transitions. So it hides out a lot of times, all the ways in which we're trying to numb out, Mm -hmm. but regardless, all of it cumulatively, when we look at it, it's so exhausting mm-hmm. and so overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, right? Oh. And what I know is this, and, and this is probably, if I can say one statement, it's like for our first responders is, is they struggle with, you know, we can't save face and cover your ass at the same time, guys. Yep. You got to pick one. That's right. And so, if you're, and so if you're losing your ass, yep. if you're losing your ass, let, let's just give it up and, and not worry about saving face. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a great, great point. Right, there's plenty of people out there that want to help you, believe me. Yeah. We, well, the other, the other the statement that I heard earlier that I think you guys have been reinforcing throughout this whole episode <laughs> is that it's okay not to be okay. Yes. Right. You know, and even if it's just a little bit from the, you know, the thousand paper cuts, it's mm-hmm. compounded trauma. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to right. feel bad when you see something bad. It's okay to to need to talk to somebody when something's happening yeah. uh, but, but on that's your let's go deeper into that statement it's okay not to be okay because what's going to happen is you're going to be okay eventually you're, you're going to be okay again mm-hmm. um if but you're not going to be okay if you don't say that you have a problem or, or if you don't recognize that exactly. that you you're, you're not you're not okay um because that'll keep going so it's a temporary problem that not okay is a temporary problem it's not weakness mm-hmm. a lot of us look at it as weakness it's not weakness right. it's it's just a temporary um 
problem that then you're going to be okay again you know yeah. and there's a uh, and we're all in recovery here and there's times that we're not okay all right. of us here yeah. and we ask for help we, yeah. we we talk about things and we we we, we work things out so um guys 100%. that's a great show real quick yep. i want to um recognize one of our first badges <laughs> mm-hmm. um mike uh, got me a a little lol pin and we're gonna we're gonna figure out we're gonna put it up here um so it's from the Lowell police department it's a, l- a little badge and and i got more um at home i just forgot to bring them and uh the next couple shows we will um start um talking about them and and send them in if you can you know get us on our email it's all in the show notes so it certainly is well good show guys yep friends and recovery podcast Answering the call. Answering the call. That's yes. it. Yes, join us for further episodes by subscribing and help us spread the word by sharing across social media. And, of course, a special thank you to uh, our sponsor, Genesis House, for making this possible, along with our producer, Sweets, and Sweet Studio, for recording and broadcasting the podcast. It's been a long day, and uh, I'm sorry yeah. my, uh, my eyes aren't what they used to be, <laughs> but I want to thank Tom as well, Tom Burrell, for being here yeah, today. Yeah, Tom, thank you, Tom. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate this Tom's having, having great, me back again. Tom's got a great voice for radio. He does. Yeah, <laughs> give us your baseball voice again. <laughs> now batting for the Crusaders. <laughs> we got to have fun too, guys. Listen, it, it's about having it's a balance, balance of life. So and if you have any questions or you'd like to uh, be a guest on the show or you want to submit a question or a topic for a discussion, please visit um, our Facebook page and that's of course answering the call the first responders podcast um or you can send um, an email to us at help at friends in recovery podcast.com and that's the best one of the best ways to get a hold of us absolutely it is all and excuse me and absolutely and as always we are grateful for the privilege to share our stories and insight with you the listener and we're going to teach mike that you have to speak into the mic speak the into pod the mic father mike needs to speak into the mic <laughs> the, pod the pod father will get it one day stay safe everybody <laughs> all right thanks That concludes this episode of Answering the Call, the First Responder Podcast. Thanks to Genesis House for sponsoring the show and supporting our first responders who are struggling with addiction and mental health. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates. If you are interested in becoming a guest on the show, email us at help at friendsinrecoverypodcast.com.